B. Mitch and Finley, 1067 The Fan. Make sure, make sure, damn it, that you're following along the show on social media. You can find the show at B. Mitch and Finley. You can find Brian at B. Mitch Live NBCS. You can find Brian on Instagram at B. Mitch 30, right? 30. You can follow old CBSO, Jim Andrew Mullins the 10th at Mullins 1067. Jeff is at Jeff Too Funny. Following me at JP Finley NBCS. Right now, it's time to get to the BetQL guest line. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Time to go to the phones and talk to our friend Kevin Cole from the Unexpected Points podcast. Kevin, what's going on, man? Thanks for making time with us. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we we got a couple of weeks here now that we can we can cover every single square inch of the football field for the Super Bowl matchup. All right, we can do it all, man. I I, I definitely want to get to the Super Bowl, but if you're cool with it, I'd like to start with what you made of. I I kind of think this is just an exercise in futility, honestly. But what did yeah. the? You're an analytics expert, right? Like you are a data expert when it comes to the game of football. What did the data show about the Commanders' 2022 quarterbacks? Oh, Lord. Well, it showed some difficulties, as I think <laughs> anyone who watched the, the season would probably be able to, to parse out. I mean, as far as – there's a couple different quarterback metrics that I like to use, and I think they work well in conjunction with each other, one of them being the PFF grading, which can account for things that you just don't – actually flow through to the results like turnover worthy plays that maybe are not actual interceptions, things like that. And the other is looking at expected points added per play. So just looking at an efficiency metric where you start a play, you end a play, how many expected points did you earn on that particular play for what the quarterbacks were involved in. So both of the quarterbacks were in the bottom half in both of those different categories. What I think is a little bit different by the numbers especially by the grading than what some people's perception may have been, was the fact that Taylor Heineke graded really poorly, even worse than Carson Wentz. But his performances coincided with the defense getting a lot better, winning a lot of games, and he also had quite a few uh, dropped interceptions, which ended up helping, I think, the results a little bit more than how well he played. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, like, see, and, and, and that's one thing. I was, After a lot of games, I would see where people kept dropping passes, and I'm like, that's not going to last all year, but we had a bunch of defensive backs that can't catch. You know, but how, what was his percentage of like? I mean, how high was it as far as the 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 what is the interceptable balls that he he, he put well, out there? Yeah, I mean, let, let me look it up. So look at exactly at Heineke this season for his his actual interception rate. So normally, I like to look at these things as a percentage of. Of pass attempts. So his interception rate this season was 2.3%, which is actually pretty good and a little bit lower than what it was last year at 3%. But if you throw in the passes that were graded as being turnover-worthy throws, yeah. um, it more than doubles based upon that. And it goes up closer to almost 5%, which would put him near the, the bottom of the league. So it's basically less than half of his interception-worthy passes were actually being intercepted. That's crazy, man. Hmm. Um, we're talking with Kevin Cole from the Unexpected Points podcast. Um, looking at the commanders, a lot of folks, and, and honestly, I kind of think, myself included, believe that if the commanders had, I'm not saying great, but good quarterback play, that they're a playoff team. 
based on the defense, like you mentioned, and the, kind of the skill position weapons they have, does does the data back that up? Yeah, the the data would back that up, um, especially on the defensive side of things, as far as how well the team ended up playing this year. In fact, I was looking at something earlier this week as far as the strongest opponents that the Philadelphia Eagles had this year in a pretty easy schedule. And by my numbers, at least, because I I see the commanders of having a top five schedule adjusted defense um, last year, that they were actually the hardest team maybe that the the Eagles played all season long because when they faced Dak Prescott, um, they didn't face Dak Prescott the first time they faced the Cowboys. And then the second time they didn't have Jalen Hurts starting. So you can maybe throw that, that result out the window. So, if you look at defensively, top five defense by my numbers, it's offensively below average and specifically really in that passing game hurting. So adding a quarterback to that would have had them firmly in, let's say, the third tier of NFL teams, which would be in the playoff hunt for sure. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. What are the chances, and, and dude, I, I, you're a data guy and there just isn't much, so maybe you don't even want to make a prediction on it. <laughs> but what do you think of Sam Howell? I liked how a lot more than his, what was it, fifth round that he ended up falling to last year. I mean, the yes. fact that he went after someone like Bailey Zappi last year was shocking to me. And it's not just because of what we saw from him in his final season. And, you know, he was an early declare, which normally is a positive sign for draftees. He's a younger uh, prospect, which is normally a good sign. But it was really the year before that. He was being projected, and I know things can change drastically over the course of one college season, how people are looking at at different quarterbacks, but he was someone who was commonly seen as being a first-round pick. Some people were even seeing him as potentially being a top-five or top-ten pick. And then his final season, they had a lot of struggles protection-wise. They had a lot of struggles taking sacks. They had a lot of struggles as far as uh, his receivers not being up to snuff also for him. So I think he has a lot of talent, and if anything – it's a very wide range of outcomes for him, which I think is a good thing. If you're going to make a low-cost bet on someone, yeah, there may be a high chance that they're going to be a bust, but what you're really concerned about is whether or not you're getting a decent chance that they could be a above-average or elite quarterback. And I think Powell at least has those traits. And, yeah. and also he can move. And I think while you're trying to build an offensive line, you need a guy who's mobile. And I think he's very mobile. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. I mean, in the class, you know, Desmond Ritter was probably a little bit faster. He could move okay. Corral had okay rushing stats. Obviously, you had someone like Malik Willis who was off the charts as far as his athletic ability. But I would put Howell second in the, in the class as far as his ability to move. And we're seeing more and more, you know, we're seeing in the Super Bowl here with, with a couple of quarterbacks who can move pretty well. But it's almost something that you have to have in today's NFL to be able to scramble, to move around the pocket, to make up for some of the deficiencies that you could have for an offensive line. It's just a really, really big weapon. And he's not the biggest guy, but he's compact. You know, he can take a hit, too. So I think it's something that can continue at the NFL level without a ton of injury risk. Yeah, I mean, having, you know, covered him and been around him a lot at this point, he is, like, stout. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, it's not... I mean, you look at Kyler Murray or when Robert was here, and they're kind of wiry, like not as thick guys. And and I, I would not describe Hal that way. Like he he, he is kind of solid. Um, what do you make of the Commanders' decision to get rid of Scott Turner, and what do you think they should do next? Yeah, I think it's you know a refresh is going to happen um, a lot. Sometimes it's it's almost a coin flip type of situation to figure out whether or not you're truly upgrading 
But what you can say about most situations is, and it's just the nature of bringing in a new head coach, bringing in a new offensive coordinator, is normally you're going to get a bump and a boost up in performance, whether that's because the coordinator is actually better or it's because doing well, you don't fire your coordinator. And when you're doing poorly, you do fire your hmm. coordinator. So you're more likely to get a little bit better performance going going forward. I thought the scheme was okay for uh, the commanders. I thought things have been going well as far as getting, um, you know, getting their, their weapons like McLaurin more involved in the second half of the season, which was really important. So um, I don't know. I, I just, it's just really the quarterback question for me, and then it's going to be having competent uh, offensive coordinator who I think they can find out there. What do you think of Anthony Lynn? You know, I think Anthony Lynn, what, what sticks in my mind the most, of course, is going to be his time as head coach when he was in, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was still San Diego at that point, but definitely. Uh, they, you know, it was San right Diego, when they Los moved. Angeles. Yeah, it was right when, right when they moved. So from the things that I look at, which is a very small part um, of what it takes to be a great you know, head coach, he wasn't the greatest when it came to things like early down pass rates or fourth down decisions or things like that. But now we're talking about being an offensive coordinator, and that's where he's been able to, to move up in the world. So I think he could be a good offensive coordinator. I think he's very good, especially at scheming the run game, which could be a good complement to whoever they have there. So he's, he's very experienced, and he's had success, um, I think, and he moved all the way up the rank. So I'm not sure if he's the best-suited uh, head coach just based upon some of the trouble with the results they had there, but I think as an offensive coordinator, he should be a, a great hire. The, the thing about – he talked about his run game, but I feel he's going to have to incorporate some of that pass in there to make this thing more of a balanced attack, not this overly – like they want to go two-to-one, I don't buy it, but anyway. It, does he have any Nobody's type going two-to-one. Does he have the the the, the – wherewithal to basically, you know, have a good passing game as well? I mean, I think so. I don't know. We, we, we can't say for certain, of course, um, whether that is the case or not. But he was there and had seen decent results for the passing game when, when he was with the Chargers, at least. I guess you could point to I mean, he was still Justin Herbert's head coach when he was – you know, an outstanding rookie season, um, offensive rookie of the year that he won that year, and a dynamic offense that they had passing the ball also that season. So I think it's, it's going to be talent-dependent, and that's why the quarterback question is so important. So uh, we've had you on the phone for like 10, 12 minutes and haven't talked Super Bowl. Any chance you can come back next week and we talk Super Bowl? Is that, is that a reasonable request? Oh yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. I can, uh, you know, I, I get, I got a lot of different subjects to talk about. Okay, yeah, dude, I, I'd love it. I've, yeah, I've followed you on Twitter for a long time now, and I, I just, I feel like you always have smart stuff. So maybe next week we can try to figure out who to bet on and, and, and some prop bets. But uh, talking commander specific, you kind yeah, of, as long as he's giving you your your cut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll DM you about that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I, uh, it sounds like. The commanders, like they were when they were the football team and like they were most of the time when they were the Redskins for the last 20 years, have some pretty good pieces in place, lack a quarterback, and you kind of don't know what will happen. There you go. Yeah, I think that's a good way to frame it. And I also think when you're looking at the broader landscape of the NFC, there's not a lot of evidence that the conference, which is already a lot weaker than the AFC, is going to get a lot better. I mean, we have Brady leaving now. We have Rodgers potentially leaving going forward i think it's just a wide open space and who knows these the four nfc te- nfc east teams could be again competing to, to all make the super, all make the playoffs next year 
which wow. is wild, man. Wild. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate, appreciate it. You, man. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. That's our guy, Kevin Cole, from the Unexpected Points Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter at Kevin Cole underscore. One o'clock. Get your phones ready. Get your keys out. Get your phone out. One o'clock. Bleep you Thursday.